All right. Two down, two to go. And that last series, never really in doubt. Welcome, one and all, to another week of Rinky Dinking. Uh, we, we hit pause for a few days waiting for this series to come to its crescendo, which it did yesterday afternoon. Uh, I called it when it was two games to nothing, Stars. That's what I do. I tell you what's going to happen, not what just happened, not what is happening. Uh, I think that's Mike Heike's role, is it not, what just happened? Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Uh, You know, Daryl, if we're going to be tooting our own horns, I believe at the beginning of this whole thing, now this is going to turn into a negative pretty quick, but I predicted the Stars would lose to Vegas in the Western Conference Finals. When was this? That when everybody asked what 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 was going to happen, who's what everybody? Started. Um, let's see. Uh, I think there was a request from Gary Bettman. Uh, I don't think we've heard this prediction on this Jim, podcast. Jim Neal said he wanted to know what I was thinking. Oh, right. you know, there's a lot of people. Everybody, pretty much. Mike's come with come with the jokes today. Good. <laughs> uh, and and uh, our boy Totsi was right there covering it all. I hope you took some pictures. We've got some pictures. We've got some video. Wow. Has it already been posted, or is this being saved? It's uh, it's being synthesized right now. I think yeah. we got a super hot edit dropping tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, look, the Dallas, the Dallas Stars uh, never blow a 3-1 series lead. They don't. There's seven and zero now when they go up three to one. You have to go back to the, when the franchise was in Minnesota, 1992. They were up three to one on the Detroit Red Wings. Then they lost three nothing, one nothing, and five two at Mike Hyka's Joe Louis Arena in Game Seven. So there you go. I love that building. But, uh, I mean, besides, we'll get into Kiviranta here in a, in a second. Uh, I know you love that building. I enjoyed the building, too. The back staircase smelled of urine, but that was, that was kind of the smell part of hockey. The, it was part of the joy, you know, walk <laughs> up those back stairs and on you went. It doesn't even exist now, right? There's just barely chunks of concrete left in that area right by the river. Sure. I think it's just about right. all gone. I think, yeah. I think they've whittled it down. Uh, 57 total goals in the series. Third most in a seven-game series in National Hockey League history. And you have to say that, uh, well, I guess it plays into Stars hockey favor then, doesn't it, if it's a, if it's a high-scoring series? No, yeah, they're a new team now. They're the team that brings their team in. It seems uh, weird know, like, to say I was going to ask Ben Fromstein about this, but I think there's like seven franchise offensive records that have been set. Oh, I've in these hey, package that. Package that. It's coming. Okay. It's coming. I've done my homework. It's shocking. Like you would never have guessed this would be no. the year for it. No. And here you go. Well, it's 2020. Yeah. It's 2020. Uh, Totsi, I want you to weigh in on this one. MVP yeah. of the series for you. You were right there. Ooh. Um... I'm going to have to think a moment on that if you want to go right. to Mike first. You can pass. You can pass. It's like a game show. Go ahead. Sure, Mike. sure. I'll, I'll pass. He plays. 
Uh, I'm going to frustrate you by giving it to the losing team and say Nathan McKinnon was the MVP of the series. Well, that's that some that, of the best hockey I've ever seen. Yeah, but that, that's dumb. That, it that, is, but it's happened in the past. Yeah, but you're you're just you're not even but, right. That's the problem with it. Not, not even on the board, Mike. You know, you went off the board, and because of that, you're going to have to just skip around. And then I'll fill you in on exactly. I know what your answer is. I didn't want to steal your thunder. No, I I don't know. Are you, Toast, are you ready now? I'm I'm split between Miro and Doby. Is that is one of those yours? Well, it doesn't matter. It's not like you have to each pick a can different I, one. Can I give co MVPs to those two? Yeah, you can. You're there. I'll go with that. Miro okay. and Doby. All right, those are good choices. Uh, it it's Miro. He's going in. Yeah. Uh, period. The. Uh, you know he he uh, he just keeps doing things that and and I guess the the fact that he does them so subtly that even us who you know sing his praises and have watched him all year long and understand what what he means to this group and what he can do even I think even us we're a little bit jaded and we're like yeah you know he was good and everything but then you you look inside and you're like man. It was a different game every time he was on the ice. Like the the stars are the better team every time one guy is on the ice, and and that's striking to me. And that's Miro Haskin. That's what the great guys that play that position do. Uh, Hadobin too. I mean, just in uh, very Anton Hadobin fashion, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just. No, I mean he. I don't know. I think it's got to be his style a little bit. I mean, every team gets 40 shots on the stars when he plays goal. It's almost like Dominic Hasek back in the day. And, every, you know, he would pad his save percentage because he would just spit pucks back out at people. And it was like, yeah, here, have another, have another. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, he deserves it, too. I mean, just be a save better than the guy at the other end. Not He hasn't had to outduel. Uh, any Vezina winners by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but he's done his job, and he did it against a rather elite offense in that series. So uh, that works, too. They, let, let me get to the, your point, though, Mike, here. The, the, the best quip in the series was Bednar, Jared Bednar, the head coach of the uh, Avalanche, saying it's a race to five. And it was a race to five right down to overtime in Game 7. But even with all of their injuries, I don't think it's an excuse for that power play for performance that we watched from the Avs because the Avs had their best five available players for six of the seven games. Like, yeah, they had injuries, but they, they, they were not – it wasn't Rantanen and McKinnon and McCarr that were injured. It, it was others, and it was their depth, and it, obviously it was goaltending. Uh, but they went a pathetic four for 32. If they're even like good, like not great, just kind of good on the power play, the stars are done right now. And, and they, they would have lost game seven in the second period. Yeah. And instead they dodge one and they, you know, a post, otherwise it was a four, two, five, two hockey game. Uh, and the stars power play continues to score when they need one. And it outscored that, that group on the other side, nine to four in the series, and some big, big goals. Yeah. So I can't, I can't give it to McKinnon as fabulous as he was to watch. He was out of gas. I mean, 
he he had a big, wet, saggy uh, bag of nothing in in Game Seven. He really didn't. He just looked exhausted. And, but he was out there for every one of those power plays, and they couldn't get anything done. So uh, that's why we're not going to count him as the MVP in a losing cause. I think that's a, a very uh, sound argument. The other interesting part of all that power play stuff is, uh, and I'm actually a fan of what Jared Bednar did, which is he rode his horses. He let the best yeah. players stay out there. But I do think it backfired because they either got frustrated and tried to get too cute, or they were they were exhausted just because they were trying to do way too much. If you look back at the Stars power play, the second unit did a lot of the damage. And, you know, having that balance can be a really good thing, especially in a seven-game series. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, Having two units uh, that both look like they have the potential to score. I mean, you get two goals from from Radulov earlier in the the series. It, It was all Haskinen's unit that was doing the damage on the power play. They had nothing nothing that even resembled that. Uh, it was their guys. And look, g- give, give a whack of credit to the stars penalty kill too, that, that did fantastic work against them. It wasn't as if they were, you know, just killing the penalty off themselves, but y- you watched it. I watched it half the time. They did like yeah. with the way they went about their business. Like, and yeah, I, I guess you can say that a coach, uh, you know, you go with your horses and you show belief in them and you think it's going to pay off, but it never did, <laughs> really. I mean, they got they got the one power play goal in, in uh, Game 7, but, man, they they went through a stretch there where they were one for 20-something, and the one was a two-man advantage. So it, 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 that's insanity. You know, you just keep trotting them out there. And you're right. Like, I, I'll say this. The, the impressive thing with that group of players was that it didn't seem to affect them five on five. You know how that goes. Your, your best guys start feeling the weight of that and they're frustrated and they can't get anything done. And all of a sudden they suck five on five, but they never really went that way. And they they just got they got they got beat on special teams in the series by a pretty healthy margin. Yeah. No, you're right, and and that is one area that I think every single person would have given the advantage to, yeah. to Colorado going in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, hey, good for the coaches, good for the players. I mean, good for, you know, guys like, you know, uh, Haskinen and uh, Giryanov and Hintz and, you know, all those guys on the second unit who, you know, who did step up. Yeah. I I know I'm like you too. I I keep wanting to call it a one and and two, but there really isn't a one and two as far as the units. They're just Miro's unit and John's unit. They're the same. Uh, Are these charmed? The fate days for the Dallas Stars. Hmm. I mean, you have to have some luck, obviously. Uh, of course. But I do think, and we've talked about this. There's something about adversity that you know it makes you stronger, or makes you calmer, or makes you both. Gives you you know intensity and poise at the same time because you've been through so many messes that when the next mess comes up, you're just like, okay, whatever. And so that can create a feeling of charm. I mean, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's something to that. I, I really, I've always believed that, that it it galvanizes groups and it teaches players uh, to not, not lose on emotion as much as you might if you've not gone through trials and tribulations. Uh, but then, you know, you, you have a guy like Kiviranta that, that roars 
to hero status in game seven. And you look at him and you're like, well, he, what, what kind of stuff did he go through? He wasn't a part of this all year. He's not the guy that it was like, look, I'm not going to be denied. He just gets inserted into the lineup. So I, I just feel like the, in, in a lot of ways, what you said is true, but also the planets are aligning for these stars in 2020. I mean, between opponent injuries, the opposing goaltending they faced, uh, the on, almost on-demand breaks that they get in games, like it's stunning. I've done this for almost three decades, and, man, there's, there's some charm stuff going on. Uh, at the same time, they, they are, you know, they're a, they're a deep, tight, uh, hardworking group for the most part. Uh, with a will to win, which is obvious. And I'll say this, if they win at all, I think the rings should say, just in quotations, trampled the weak, hurtled the dead. (laughs) That's what they've done through two series. And if they win two more series, I got to think the same thing's going to happen again. I was laughing, watching last night, going like, they're going to face Thatcher Demko. But those are going to be that series. Oh my God! You remember that was that was going to be the next chapter of of what I just talked about. It was going to be like, okay, you're so you you're going to have Thatcher Demko get a Vancouver Canuck team into the conference final that has no business being there, and then the bubble will burst on him, and then all of a sudden the Canucks will be young and worn out and get beat by the Stars. Uh, I, and all of a sudden, the stars would be in the Stanley Cup final. Like it was just like I was laughing because remember Eddie's death row through what, Curtis Joseph and Patrick Waugh and I'm gonna and this group's gonna face these guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like like Eddie, what would he have to go through? So he had he had Tommy Sallow, the convenient Tommy Sallow in the opening round. I do think Grant Fuhr got a couple of games in that one at the end of his career, possibly. And then he got Grant Fuhr. Oh, that's right, in St. Louis. In St. Louis. And then he got Patrick Waugh. (laughs) And then he got Dominic Hasek. So you you faced three straight (laughs) Hall of Fame goaltenders (laughs) on the way to the Cup in 99. Uh, Anyway. Okay, let's let's try to explain this TV Ranta extravaganza. Uh, it's the best story or happening in Stars Land in a long, long, long time, right? Yes. That game, again, and maybe I'm just, you know, too dramatic. That game was the biggest game in 12 years, wasn't it? I mean, since, since 2008, it, it was a huge game. And if they lose it, I think there's just, there's a lot of stuff going on with this organization. Yeah. And so for this guy to come out of nowhere, and help them win that game, yes, that's a magnificent story. Just the, the idea that it's an injury to a guy that is the, one of the most durable players of his generation. <laughs> that, again, we're going back to the charm stuff that allows them to go, okay, well, who should we put in? Well, let, you know, we'll put Kiwi Rata in. He, gets, you know, he can skate like, like Cogliano. He gives you a little – and – goes off for a hat trick, including the tying and winning goals late in the third period and in overtime of game seven. I mean, please, please. I don't know how they pronounce Wally Pip in Finnish, <laughs> but wowza. I mean, you just, 
you don't believe what you're witnessing, that this is like real life. When he scored that tying goal 10 seconds after the Avs had gone ahead, like it was just so – I'm just sitting there watching it, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is so 2020 and bubble and, you know, playoff hockey in September. Like it all, it all makes no sense, but because of that, it makes all the sense in the world. Hey, Jamie missing an open net, you know, oh. whatever many minutes earlier, and you're just like, oh my god! And then this kid comes in and says, oh no, I'm I mean, a hard angle. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm an almost impossible angle. Who, yeah. Who's who's to say they wouldn't have pulled their goaltender and Joe Pavelski wouldn't have scored to tie it? Right. Well, I, that was as likely as anything too, the way this team has gone about its business. But they, they can, you know, there's a lot, probably a lot of people involved, but. I do know that that uh, our old friend Yuri Lettinen, uh had an assist in in the Stars given Yoel Kiviranta uh, go around. Let's see what he can do in North America. Let's sign him along with Les Jackson. Uh, you know they they did some scouting and World Championship. That's a, such a great story. You wrote a good one too, Mike. But there there was a uh, there was a great story about how uh, I read today, where even the Finnish people, when he got picked to the to the national team, which is Yuri Lettinen's world, he's the general manager of their national team, and they were like, "Who in the Frank rank is Joel Kiviranta?" Even in Finland, which is a small uh, country, I lived there, and uh, they have to know every hockey player in every. Uh, fjord and, and crevasse in that country and uh, and yet th- nobody knew who this guy was and they were like how the hell is he on the national team well now he's, talk- a, now he's a, a, a regional hero yeah I talked to Yuri today and he said we knew who he was he had been injured but yeah he was a depth player just getting onto the camp roster, I don't know how many they had, 30, you know, 30 guys, 40 guys trying out for the team. And and he said, he goes, every practice, he just got a little bit better. And he just says, well, we can't cut this guy. He's pretty good. And he said, the exhibition game, same thing. And I think we've seen it, too. Yeah. I saw it in Traverse City, and then we thought, like, he almost made the opening day roster uh, for the Stars. And then, you know, uh, it was funny, Yure said, Hey, do you remember game seven or game six against Calgary? And I go, well, yeah. He goes, he was plus four. I go, what? And he goes, Yoel Kiviranta came in, I think it was for Yanmark, wasn't it? In game six against Calgary. Yeah. And I think he played with Garyanov and Hintz again, which was Garyanov's four goal game. Yoel Kiviranta had an assist and was plus four in 13 minutes in that game. Coming out of nowhere. And and we didn't even, we were all talking about Garyanov. And and Yuri said he goes I watched him he was good, and I think that's the reason they made the choice of him over Dowling or somebody else is because he was so good in that game six. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have no doubt. Uh, I mean, you get I, I love I, I just love guys like Thatcher Demko. Yeah, they they get the opportunity, and you you got a choice. I mean, especially at that position, you you either shine or suck it seems like, right? When you get the opportunity, you can fall flat on your face or you can grab a hold of this thing. And, and it, it all comes down to what is going on in between your ears. Like you either have that mental toughness or you don't. 
I, I believe. I mean, you can you can have all the training in the world, and they all train the same way, but you have to have some kind of belief in your own abilities, and and the ability also the ability to not get frazzled by building the moment up too much. And Kiviranta, I don't know him from Adam, but he seems to have uh, a little bit of the Finnish devil may care attitude internally within their group and that we never see it because they're all shy. Um, and to Yuri's point, he was good in that game, but my God, the Calgary flame goaltending was so atrocious. <laughs> I don't, I think you would have been plus four in that game too. In the <laughs> but they score like 11 goals in a row against them or something. It was something like that, yeah. You know, no, it might have these, been things happen. these things anyway. happen. <laughs> anyway, just the just the most awesome story and and uh, unfolding. You know, I can you imagine the Avalanche thinking to themselves, you know, the, the, who just did us in? It, it was it was like somebody snuck up with a syringe with nutmeg in it and injected it straight into a main vein and killed them that way. It was the <laughs> nutmeg known as Yoel Kiviranta. Instant death. Just like I, that. I love Totes' picture of him looking like just some dude on the street walking <laughs> up to dominate game seven. So good. So good. Uh, and I mean, two great goals. Two great goals. Oh. Well, three, like, uh, technically, because he really had to battle Connaughton to basically get the spot. I mean, this guy weighs, what, 176 pounds? Okay, stop, stop with the battle, Connaughton. Okay. Crap. That was a good goal, wasn't it? Good okay, goal? yeah, stop with that. <laughs> um, but he, right spot, perfect rebound, had to execute to get the tying goal, and then just such a there, – there's a lot of guys that – that wouldn't have done what he did correct in front. And then the forgotten man in the entire thing <laughs> is Andre. I should be wearing two nines on my back. Sekera. Why, why is Andre Sekera in behind the opposing net in overtime? With the well, I think, I think Jamie Alexiak said, Hey, it's your turn to be behind the net. No, honest to God though. You know what I mean? No, it makes no sense. And yeah, it's, it's funny because even Rick zero. said yesterday, we don't ever practice that. That a D-man cycles up and then hands it to the other D-man so he can no. cycle down. Like even I don't. I can't remember John Klingberg ever showing up there. No, ever. And, and then he had all the time in the world. Oh my God! Yes, I mean the Avalanche. The Avalanche were so tired and so lost, and and Kiviranta just he, he's like, oh look at this. Nobody's looking at me. I'll just back out into this patchless area in the slot, and then, boom, on a stick in the net onto the conference final. Uh, before, let's do record setters first here, and then I want to tell you a, just a massively impressive uh, Razorlytics uh, discussion that I have on tap for you. You mentioned records, so I asked the the uh, PR staff of the Dallas Stars. Award-winning PR staff, I might add. Dick Indeed. Dillman's, plural, plural with the Dick Dillman's. And Ben Fromstein uh, went to work on this. This was heading into Game 7. I don't know how many records they set. Well, Kibi Ranta, what was his? Uh, uh, the yeah. third time ever that the first 
that uh, the first three goals or something were were uh, Stanley Cup uh, Game Seven goals or something. What was well, the and then game first game seven hat trick since um Wayne Gretzky, nineteen ninety three. So the 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 stars heading into game seven had tied or set fourteen uh Stanley Cup playoff records, like either team or individual for the for the club. Right. You know, fastest two goals in a playoff game. They scored nine seconds apart in game one against Calgary. Most consecutive goals scored. I said 11, it was seven in game six against yeah. Calgary. Uh, largest deficit overcome. Uh, they tied it, three goals. Game six against Calgary. Latest game tying goal, you know, two seconds to go in the third period, game four versus Calgary. This is all just uh, supporting my charmed fate uh, belief. Uh, team records, most goals in a period, the five in game six against Calgary. Individual records, longest point streak, Miro, uh, most goals by a defenseman, Miro, most assists by a defenseman, Miro, most points by a defenseman, Miro. <laughs> He's having a pretty good playoff. Uh, youngest defenseman scored two goals in a game, Miro. Uh, most goals in a game, Gurionov with four. Most points in a game, Gurionov with five. Most points by a defenseman, Haskinen with four. Most points in a period, Dennis Gurionov. Uh, with four in the second period of that game six against Calgary. <laughs> it's the youth, though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and well, and you want to flip it over. I think what giving up the five goals in nine minutes—that's also a franchise record against. I mean, that's just how these games have gone. I, I picked the positive ones, Mike. Way to be I Debbie know, Downer. I'm just, I'm just saying, like it was happening on both sides. It was. Oh my God, was it ever happening on both sides? Oh my gosh. Indeed. Hey, hey Totes, did you see the Toronto game uh, two nights ago where the guy uh, half a second left and they oh, throw yeah, the ball back, across? Yeah. Co- yeah. The Raptors? Yeah. I'm at, yeah. I'm at my nephew's house watching that and just laughing and just going like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And then last night, same results. When Yoel Kiviranta scores a hat trick to win it, I just burst out laughing. It's just so ridiculous that you're it's like, been- how can this even happen? It's been both with NBA and NHL. Just yeah. the bubble playoff has been insanity the past couple of weeks. It's great. Maybe we're yeah, right. Maybe all this stuff really does affect these people mentally and oh. that causes the craziness on both sides. Well, we were saying after the game last night, like, uh, and who knows, but if the Avalanche, if, if Nemesnikov scores with whatever it was, three and a half or four and a half minutes to go in regulation at the Pepsi Center, at a sold-out Pepsi Center in yeah. Game 7, do they turn right around and turn it over at their blue line and give up the goal 10 minutes or 10 seconds later? Maybe, but I don't know. It's a completely different atmosphere. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good point. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 it, it's, a, it's a weird thing. I think the most interesting thing that will come from this year will be and you'll need a little distance going forward, but the the vision, uh, the hindsight uh, of 2020. Oh, that's a pretty hip statement by me, by the way. <laughs> hindsight is 2020. Okay. The uh, just just how much of an aberration this playoff becomes. You know, like if if because uh, nothing's looked like this leading up to it, and I would doubt that anything's gonna resemble it on the other side of it. 
as yeah. far as just the freaky nature of what has gone on at times within the bubble. And you'll have, you're right, you'll have two sports to to kind of parse in that regard, both the NBA and, and the NHL. Strong comment. It was Thanks. An, it, Thanks, it Mike. craziness. All right, here you go. Conference final. Uh, the Razor Lytics conference final appearance rule. I've actually made a rule. So at the introduction of the salary cap, I, I heard a analytical belief that every team should now be able to make the conference final in a 15-year span. Now, they've, they've expanded since then with more teams. That might affect it a little bit, but I, I don't have the brain power to figure that out. So I, I just went through it. There, there are only six teams now that are past due on that uh, little train. Isn't that, out, of, out of 31 teams, only yeah. six are past due that haven't made a conference final in a 15-year span. And only eight teams are in double, uh, double digits as far as, you know, at least sneaking up on the 15-year yeah. uh, span. So you have Buffalo. The Sabres have gone 13 years without making a conference final. The Calgary Flames, who the Stars dispatched, have now gone, I believe, 16 years. Their last one was when they went to the Cup Final in 04. Colorado, with that loss to the Stars, have not been to a conference final since 02, so they're, what, 18 years? They're past due. Yeah. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, they came into existence in 2001. Have you seen them in a conference final? No, I have not. No, they haven't been there yet. The Dallas Stars were 12 years. They were starting to encroach upon the Razorlytic 15-year span, and now we can stroke them off the list. 2008-2020. The Edmonton Oilers are a year away from their limit. They've gone 14 years, went to the Stanley Cup final in 06. The Florida Panthers. (laughs) How long do you think it's been for the Florida Panthers? Uh, I blame it all on Matt DeFranks. He was the guy who covered them. Yeah, it is his fault. (laughs) It is DeFranks' fault. He has dragged them right into the sewer. Okay, they went uh, conference final, Stanley Cup final in what year? They lost to the Avalanche. 90-something. 1996. Yeah. 24 years. Wow. They are way past. I mean, that milk has spoiled. Well, and I hate to I hate to be mean to any organization, but surviving the last twelve years doing this every game, I can't imagine twenty four. Twice that, Mike. Twice that. What we've twice the double the amount of knocking our heads against the wall that we've done here. Yeah. Well, our our the franchise's former home and now the new blood up there, the Minnesota Wild, have gone seventeen years. Two thousand three. Yeah. Isn't that something? I love Bill Guerin, but I don't see that change. <laughs> like that was that was the year that um, man, the, it was wide open. Remember that oh three? Yeah, it was so available. Yep. And the stars couldn't get past Anaheim. Yeah, they would have played uh, Minnesota, and, and that yeah, I think they would have uh, they would have won that series. That's that's just a guess on my part. The Toronto Maple Leafs. <gasps> oh no. Conference final, 2002. They have gone 18 years. They are past due. Yeah. That that milk has curdled. 
the Dallas and, Cowboys of the uh, NHL. But do you know who the winner? Do you know who the the most overdue team is in the cap era? Uh, it stretches beyond that, obviously. Right. And uh, we'll find out tonight whether it continues for them or not. That, that's a hint, by the yes. way. A good hint. The New, New York's Hockey Islanders. Yep. 1993 is the last time they were in a conference final. Is uh, that true? I don't know. You're the one who came up with all these numbers. Well, I know. I found this this in my notes, and I was like, I had to do some math. I had to skip it forward a couple years. I don't think the Islanders are going. Did they go last year? No. No. They got beat by the Canes, right? Yeah. You're the historian on this podcast. No, I'm really not. I'm, I'm losing it. You know, the other problem with age, uh, Daryl, it, it really does affect your brain. Um, <laughs> really? I, I used to be really good at Jeopardy and uh, Trivial Pursuit and that bar stuff. Nine. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, all right. Here we go. Uh, go uh, well, first off, this, this series upcoming, Dallas and Vegas. And Totsi, this must be killing some of the national scribes and broadcasters and and floaters who are getting jobbed by this series being played in Edmonton in a bubble <laughs> rather than going to Las Vegas, Nevada and Dallas, Texas, back and forth. Tough, tough. It's like a dream. It, it, it is a dream uh, city series for a uh, uh, conference final. And instead, it's just going to be in the bubble in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think of that. Man. I did. I did. <laughs> Top. Yeah, the fan bases in both cities, and, and I, I feel for them too. You know, being now the, the Vegas fans are new to this, and they've been there so often. Uh, it's almost unfair to everyone else. But I feel bad for our Stars fans uh, not being able to experience, uh, you know, this run. That 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 really feels unfair. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I mean, it really, like you said, we've been banging our head. They've been banging their head. I, I really do have a lot of sympathy for them because it's hard to be a Stars fan. I'm a Lions fan. I understand the disappointment. And you know, you get your hopes up, and then all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out, and it sure looked like it might happen in the last couple of uh, games. Um, but the fact now that you get this. And it's the one year you can't go to the arena and, and actually yeah. participate. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, you're voyeur fans yeah. this year and they're having the the best run they've had in, and, and just not, not just the success of winning two rounds and going to the conference final. It's how they've done it, you know, and they've, they've all had to do it at an arm's length uh, as fans. I, I give them all the credit in the world for, for their passion and, and their patience and, and everything. I just wish everybody could, could be a part of this live, this friggin' pandemic. Yeah. COVID. It, it's hard. It yeah, the is. other thing is, is these games have been so much fun. That's Could what you I mean. Imagine being yeah. in the building while oh, these swings God. and emotion are taking place and, and just seeing those plays in person, you know? Well, Totes is there. It must be uh, a reasonable facsimile, right? In the arena. Like the fan base is going nuts on the on the speakers. It's no, no it's not. Not so it much. Doesn't. 
doesn't compare in any way. No. But it, it, no. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, everyone's happy you're there too, Joe uh, Steve McGoats. Uh, so it's it's come and take it versus what happens here stays here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like their slogan better. Come and take it. No, no. Come on, like you don't like one. that? No. Yeah. All right. So, the Golden Knights. Now the Stars face NHL goaltending, right? And they've got yeah, two oh, of them to choose from. Yeah. And uh, Robin Leonard. You know they've had success against Leonard in past too, though, in, in different stops, whether it be in Buffalo or with the the uh, senators they've had all kinds of issues with the other guy uh with mark andre Fleury, who's just been brilliant against them in past so uh but that's that's a step up from what they've seen at least to start um you know they they have had the let's pass go card with opposing net minding which has been nice there's an experienced coach on the other bench that's been through a lot of this uh, it's another uh, uh, coaching change team, just like the Calgary Flames were. So the, the Knights went from Gerard Gallant, um, and now they got a guy who, you know, as recently as last year was in a in a conference final uh, and pushes the right buttons. Joe Pavelski talks glowingly about him. Uh, so it, it, they're they're a well coached team too. So goaltending and coaching. And at least for now, a healthy team that has gone through this all before. Uh, they've, they've got health on their side, it seems like, and they've got recent history of going through a bunch of playoff wars and not quite getting all the way to the finish line. So it is, it is a task here. Right. Now, right? And, and again, I think they might be the most deep team in the league, especially that, the group of forward lines. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that, that, you know, you can put Mark Stone and Stastny and Marsha Show and, and even Riley Smith. I mean, you just go down their lineup and it's just like, oh, that guy's there. Oh, that guy's there. He scored 20. He scored 20. And you're just like, wow, this is a, a really deep offensive group of players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two, two elite NHL goalies, uh, Pete DeBoer behind the bench, four lines. Uh, they've got they've got size and mobility with with their D. Uh, who knows? It hasn't come down yet uh, whether Ryan Reeves is going to be a player or not for Game One, right? He's got called in, so I'm going to guess he's not. Yeah, but I, I mean, again, you know. I don't think he will be either. And, and depending on, and we've seen it with other guys like him. I don't think it hurts their performance if he's not there. Uh, no, no, but it it's more of the charm factor, though. Yeah, you know? you're right. He's a, he's a pretty significant guy for them and that yeah. fourth line. Uh, but you're you're right. I mean, they they can certainly overcome those minutes, you would think. And uh, and they they did last game. I, I was almost more impressed by how they went about their business in their game seven. Uh, than I have been in any other games prior to that because, uh, man, they they were uh, they they were right there. I mean, they were they were facing uh, the nightmare scenario where they are absolutely shellacking the opposing team 
can't buy a goal, generating all kinds of chances. And yet they they broke down a couple of times, and, and Leonard was fantastic and, and made the save he had to make. But for the most part, man, they they stayed within their game and their structure and and just kept going at at the Canucks and and they they weren't going to be denied. That, that's a that, that's a pretty Im- impressive uh, sort of internal heartbeat that you have going with your group when you can just don't, don't get frustrated, don't go out of your team game, uh, don't break down. You know, thinking you have to do something different than what you're doing in order to score a goal, and then. Finally, it came for them. So they're going to be a mitful. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, they they have. Uh, I'll say this though: they had the worst regular season goals against average of any team that's left. They were 13th. Now they did shore up their goaltending at the deadline, right? With the acquisition, uh, and they did make a, the coach change. Uh, they were 12th in the regular season, I think, in goals for. So you know, they're. I don't know. Regular season doesn't seem to matter, though, doesn't it? Well, and again, we <laughs> saw the Blues last year. When you're witness what the Stars year. have done, so. Yeah. yeah. You know, we saw the Blues last year. And, again, they, they were a great team in the second half, and a lot of theirs came from Bennington, too. But you you just – it's a different world. Once you get on a roll in the playoffs, you know, it, you are who you are, quote, unquote, but you're different. And and I just – I like their players. I like the fact that they – they have accumulated a group of talented players. In addition to, you know, the, the little moves that they made to get William Carlson or to get, you know, uh, uh, Smith or anybody like that, now then they go and add a Mark Stone and, and show that they're serious about this. Because I didn't know Mark Stone that much in the East. Like I said, I tell you all the time, I don't watch the East enough. He's fantastic. Yeah, he He's is. He's a great two-way player who can kill you with his defense, who can kill you with that goal at the right time, and who's just a, a good leader that people seem to follow. Um, yeah. So the fact that they added that guy and they added other pieces, um, I, I just have a ton of respect for that organization. Yeah, he, he's a gamer too, man. You yeah. can just see it. He just he loves the, he loves the competition. Uh, and we get to watch another young defenseman showdown in in Shea Theodore and and Miro Haskin and yep. and Theodore has been remarkable for them too. So what a treat to go from Makar Haskin into Theodore Haskin in this one. So good stuff. Yeah. Here we go, huh? No no rest. I've got one last one that I always uh, throw it to, and then oh I've got to put my god, I was going to wrap it up, Toasty. Oh. Before the rinky-dinking committee, because I do think this is incredibly important, and it could be our last episode if I get the information I want. But we've got a guy in the bubble there, and they've got two goalies. And I'd really like to know if we've got two goalies for this next series. So how do I get that information, Daryl? What are you talking about? Can Toads talk about the health of Ben Bishop and whether we might see him in, in the Western Conference Finals? It would that put us right off the air? No comment. No comment. <laughs> Is he unfit to play? <laughs> well, did the, Don't know. Did the coach not state that today? He said he's unfit to play. Yeah. But, again, we just there saw him in a game. Yeah. He seems like he's really close to being fit to play. Could he at least back well, up in game one? Could he be well, available in game two? Why, why would he have not backed up in game six and game seven? Well, that's why it's so frustrating as a fan, because I do believe this is a series where you really might need both of them. 
And so then I kind of would like that information. But Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko went in and and put on a, and stole the show. Who's to say that Jake Ottinger couldn't jump in and do it? No, you're right. You're very much right. And that'd be another great story for us. Hey, if Yoel Kiviranta can do it. Look, I'm gonna, I, I need to state something about this whole goaltending uh, cloak of secrecy stuff that goes on. And it's easy. And, and co- coaches, I, I guess I sort of understand why they do it. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe in it personally. I'm just speaking personally myself yeah. that – the element of surprise as to what the opposing goaltender is going to be. I, I think sometimes if you if you have a guy that your two goaltenders are just so polar opposite from one another, outside of the net, um, and maybe a little bit with rebound control, that it can change how you approach them. But for the most part, these guys all play the the same way. Yeah. And in the playoffs, you you should be focusing on on playing your game uh, to a, to the hilt. And it doesn't really matter whether you have Ken Dryden or uh, Michael Hutchinson in goal at the other end. It, you're, you're not going to deviate from the way you go about your business. I will say this, though, going forward. All these coaches, and it, this isn't just uh, Rick Bonus. Uh, th- this is all these coaches that don't want to tell the media who their starting goal is going to be that night. It's going to change going forward. Because of gambling. Yeah. There, there's not a chance on earth that, that gambling is going to allow, and obviously gambling is going to be a part of, of our sport going forward. It, you're going to have to tell them who the starting goalie is for the line, yeah. for odds. There's not a chance. Now, they'll try, to, they'll try to work their way around it a little bit, but there's going to be so much money involved, I would think. And I, I don't gamble. I'm not into it. But I do know that that's going to be a rather important thing going forward. Yeah. I'm actually a fan of that element being involved because I look at the NCAA tournament and the fact that you have brackets creates this buzz. And I think football, you know, the fact that you have fantasy football creates this buzz. And if hockey can jump on that and create some buzz from it, let's do it. And then the other yeah. thing, and you and I talk about this all the time, if you're a good coach, then you don't care what the other team knows. You know, you, you go out there and you beat them with your game plan, and Hitch did that. Hitch didn't care. He'd give us some lines every morning. Even if they didn't skate, he'd go, yeah, we're playing this guy with this guy, and here's why we're doing it. And you're just like, that's yeah. great story. I, I, just, I just think today's in, in today's world, they, they want to cling to any source of advantage that they might have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they cling to it like a skin tag. <laughs> they, 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 they do not want to get rid of that. Uh, you know, I, you're not going to know who we're going to go with in at that one position. And I, I, look, I can remember uh, lots of things in, in past where you'd spring this and spring that and spring the other thing. And, and look, I, what do you think it is? I, I'd say 80% of the coaches in the league like to use this as, that as a tool. Yes. I tell the media who their starting goal is. And the media is, the media is to blame. Like, <laughs> like first off, if there's a morning skate, um, if, if they started their games in the morning uh, as to who's going to go and who's not going to go, 
your eyes, you should do some of your own homework with your eyes and figure some of it out. Yep. And then, you know, well before the game, whichever goaltender leads his team out for warm-up is almost 99.9% of the time going to be the guy that starts the game. Right. So why do you need that information prior to a half an hour before the game starts? Yeah. I, I don't, I've never understood that. Like, you'll know tonight. I don't blame some of these coaches. You'll, you'll know tonight when we come on the ice. There you go. You go. You're, not, you're not shocking the other team. They have time to go back in the room. In, in every dressing room, there's a scouting report on both of the other team's goaltenders posted. They look at them both. Because you never halfway through the game, the other guy might go in. Five minutes into the game, the other guy might go in because of an right. injury. Yeah. you got to be ready for both of them. So yep. it's – I don't think – teams are game planning for a goaltender as much as we in the media like to try to make it out to be. Yeah. But, but I also, I also appreciate fans like to know and they, that makes them happy. It's a little security blanket. Well, they know again, again, fans, you're going to get your wish because gambling is going to dictate that you have to announce your starting goaltender so they can set their little lines, their little pluses and their minuses. <laughs> Remember so what, this, though. Remember this, though, Mike. You can do anything you set your mind to. I always think of this with coaches. You can do anything you can set, you set your mind to if you have three things. Vision, determination, and an endless supply of disposable labor. And <laughs> that is so true this year in a, 30 man, a 31-man roster bubble for all these teams. And you've seen clubs have to utilize it, including the Stars. I mean... They're using some depth, too, at lots of positions. Yep. And uh, they're halfway there. Isn't that crazy? Halfway there. The the great Tony Bennett. You love your, your Tony Bennett music, don't you? Totes, you thought I was going to ask you, didn't you, Mike? <laughs> uh, I'm not familiar. You're not familiar with Tony Bennett? No. Oh, he's actually okay. great. Hey, same with Gaga, remember? Yeah. I don't think he's familiar with Gaga either, though. Okay. Lady Gaga? Yeah. Oh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Anyway, he, he once said that, that life teaches you how to live it if you live long enough. And that, to me, is the summation of the Stanley Cup playoffs as you meander your way through and survive and prolong this year your stay inside the bubble. And the Stars... Uh, lived to tell the tale, didn't they, in Game 7? And now we'll see what they've learned. The, the, but, the, again, I'll leave you with this. And we're gonna, you can't ask me another question. Or okay, I'm fine. I'm out. If Totes wants to go. The realization is this. Despite the euphoria of Game 7 wins uh, for both the Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights, they are only halfway to the goal of winning the Stanley Cup. Boombox can change the world. You gotta know your limits with a boombox. But this was a cautionary tale.